Christian, my friend. Um, well, I'm finally seated here with a nice cold drink, and uh, let me tell you what I learned today. I learned, uh, I think, an important li life lesson, which is consider the layout of a railway station before bringing a large stroller into it. That's today's lesson. Have you ever learned uh, any lessons with regard to traveling with strollers in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we learned very quickly that the ability to fold and unfold a stroller when getting on any type of transportation is a skill, I think, mastered only by Jedis. <laughs> um, because it's one of those things that no matter what you're doing, even though you think you've given yourself enough time, you're always at the last moment just, you know, f you know, fiddling with it. And you're just like, oh, just, oh, and something gets stuck. And then you're like, oh, hold on, just wait. Oh, sorry. And then you're literally just, you just try to grab everything that you can. And you basically <laughs> just then bear hug the stroller and try to like wiggle your way onto the bus yeah. or the, the train or whatever. And you're bumping into everybody and you're like, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. Oh, and you sorry. just think that first time, that first time that you try to maneuver the stroller on and it doesn't fit. Yeah. You know, if, if you do it, if you work really hard and just finagle it even harder, it still doesn't, it still doesn't fit. That's a that's and then, a tough one to learn the first time around. And then you also just have this like feeling in the back of your brain that you're just like, if you don't do it in time, then all of a sudden you're going to get crushed like the trash compactor, you know, yeah. in Star Wars. Like you there, know what I mean? Like there is but, no more perfect stopwatch of reality than than a train arriving. You know, you're never more conscious of the seconds passing than a train's doors opening and hearing that ding, 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 doors closing. Motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. So, yeah, so we uh, we took our daughter to the aquarium in Toronto, which. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I have to. I can't I can't give enough uh, recommendations for if anybody listening has uh, small children of their own. They um, you know, it's really great from so many different perspectives. It's really it's really a visual feast, um, you know, but it's also quite natural. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of great stuff going on. It keeps their attention. They've done a great job kind of keeping the variety. And our daughter was just so mesmerized by the fish. One of the best moments was they have a tank of Atlantic cod, which are pretty, pretty big fish. Now, our daughter has met big dogs before, Labrador shepherds. And what she does whenever those dogs kind of come up to her face is she scrunches it up in anticipation of getting a lick on the face because she always gets licked in the face. And as the cod were swimming towards her, she scrunched up her face like she was expecting to get a lick from this big fishy, um, only to sadly be let down. But she loved the seahorses and the tropical fish. I mean, honestly, Christian, this kid could watch fish for, I'm, I'm not kidding you, like three to four hours, which for a baby is incredible. And then she had the best sleep she's ever had. So really highly recommend it. Now, we went there. Um, it's in downtown Toronto. Uh, just a quick walk from Union Station, which is the main train station in downtown Toronto, connects to Ripley's as well as the Sky Dome with this little kind of glass walk called the Skywalk. Um, which is a really, really convenient mechanism for getting to the main transportation hub uh, in Toronto, getting from there to the aquarium. So to get there, we took the train. We took the GO train. Um, also, you know, generally speaking, can't recommend it enough. Really, really great thing. Um, we would definitely do it again. However, we would switch up our stroller game because we took like our main walking around the suburb stroller with us, which is like this big SUV Cadillac of a stroller, you know, 
and it does not fit. It does not navigate uh, station platforms and stuff very well. And it's you the are, hydraulics on the Escalade version <laughs> yeah, of the stroller right. that are the problem. That's right. And you know, in hindsight, we didn't need that hydraulics pumping up and down action. You know, we weren't we weren't rolling on twenty fours. Um, at least we didn't need to be on that day. So we were, um, uh, you know, you're acutely aware of how heavy this beast is when you're two stories above the underground walkway that connects you to your accurate platform as you see your train pull in. So we had to bolt down the stairs, my wife carrying one side, me carrying the other side, um, bolt down a couple of stories and then back up again uh, to get this beast onto the train. So you know what? As we speak, I think my wife is actually looking for a little umbrella stroller right now, one of those little fold-up ones. So so that's clutch. But, you know, we learn lessons, Christian. I'm very um, happy that you had this particular experience because it is going to prepare you immensely for your trip to Disney World because whenever you get on any type of transportation within Disney World, you have to fold up your stroller. So whether it's monorail, bus to the theme park, uh, train, anything like that, um, even the um, little rides within the park. So there are train rides within the Magic Kingdom and things like that. You have to fold your stroller. And there's nothing quite like getting on your way to the Magic Kingdom. The bus is there. You feel like you're all prepared. And then you realize you have to fold up the stroller and you sit there just going <laughs> shit um and even though you think you've given yourself a head start you've gotten all this stuff out you know child is in your arms or your significant other's arms or ready to go or whatever nope when those bus doors open it's like a, it's like a diffusing a bomb it's just like <laughs> I, you got to do this really quickly um everybody's waiting behind you in line to get off and then you get on the bus and you can you, you can't carry those things gracefully regardless mm. if they're folded or not it's not like you fold it into a purse or a bag and you're like oh okay over your shoulder no it's <laughs> you know you might as well be like rolling a giant barrel of whiskey down the bus <laughs> to like get into your yeah. seat and you're just like oh sorry excuse me oh Scoozy. Oh, sorry. You know, like, like as you're like, like when you have six bags of groceries or something and they're like banging into the side of your knee at the same time that they're banging into other people somehow. Yeah, totally. Know that but at least like. at Disney, you're all in it together. So everybody knows, you know, there's tons <laughs> of strollers everywhere. So that's not like you're not you're not alone in that world. Um, you definitely can get the like dad nod from across the bus when they also <laughs> have a screaming kid and they're on the bus and you kind of look at each other and you're just like. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> you're we both sticky it. with humidity. You've got like one bead of sweat rolling down, but you're like, ah, we've made it into this air-conditioned bus together. I got you, buddy. And like the, the stroller is definitely not folded properly, but it's just like folded <laughs> enough, you know, that you were able to pick it up somehow. You're probably like biting your tongue because you've pinched your finger in between the wheel and part of it. But like you've got it carried on the bus and like that's what matters, you know, and like There's so you're there. And you sit down and you're just like, oh, okay. (laughs) In the entire history of Disney, I mean, they have, I mean, you know, think of their, think of their park data. I mean, they must have had millions and millions of visitors. I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine. Maybe that's a question for producer Ryan. He can hook us up with that answer. But like, you know, let's say, let's say well over a million visitors to the park. How many of those have been dads with strollers? Of all of those tens of thousands of dads with strollers that have had to fold it up and get on a bus, definitely one strong bulky dad was trying to fold that up and just got frustrated and like smashed it in half on his way into the bus, got into the bus with two halves of a stroller and and said, 
we're we made it, honey. We're in. <laughs> or just got on the bus and go, honey, where's the stroller? I left it behind. <laughs> Didn't make it. You know, Didn't and all, all you hear is the bus go poof because what he's done <laughs> is just put it under the bus because he's like, nope, screw it. We're just going to, we'll buy a new one. It's fine. <laughs> it's gone now. Um, have you, uh, I've heard there's an aquarium at Disney as well. Is that true? So there is, um, and it's actually part of the Finding Nemo ride. Um, so when oh, you come off the sweet. Finding That's... Nemo ride, which I referenced last episode, um, there's a big aquarium there. Um, and that's where they do a lot of their marine conservation type things. Um, but they have, yeah, they have a giant aquarium. And you mentioned that like your daughter was mesmerized by it. Our daughter was incredibly mesmerized by it. Um, and we actually spent hours there over the course of the week, which was excellent. Cause like you said, it seemed like it could entertain her for forever and ever, which was um, which was handy for us because it kept us in the air conditioning, which I think I might have mentioned <laughs> yeah. before, especially when we were in the 93 felt like 103 heat. Yeah. Sorry, Canadians, 33 felt like 43 heat, um, which was terrible. Um, I say terrible. I was on vacation in Florida at Disney World, so it clearly wasn't terrible, but it was sticky. So <laughs> yeah. it was handy to be in there. It's and nice. now my daughter comes home now. And uh, repeats all of the fish that she saw. Mm, um, nice. And she knows that the manatees eat lettuce. She likes to remind <laughs> me that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, she loved that. And uh, there's never really a, a line for the Finding Nemo ride. Because, you know, it's kind of like a kiddie ride. You ride on a clamshell. Mm, so mm. Uh, definitely one that you can do multiple times and stay in the AC. Especially nice. with a little I'll one. check that out. I think one of the other nice things about it, just from a, you mentioned, you know, kind of escaping the heat and being in the AC for a while, is it also has that kind of like dark sensory deprivation type of feel to it, you know, where if you're overwhelmed with those kinds of screaming and loud noises and sunshine that might come with a with an amusement park, you know, if you can duck into an aquarium, you know, typically got that dark kind of mellow vibe going on, clutch, clutch recommendation. Although you got to make sure that you are appropriately caffeinated um, because <laughs> yeah. um, it does have just enough tranquility that it makes parents want to fall asleep. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'll just take a quick nap here by the sea turtle. I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll be right back. We um, had absolutely there's a like a moving walkway through the uh, aquarium in Toronto. Um, and at, when you get to the end of it, there's like a series of benches with, of course, the bathrooms right there. Great, great setup. So, you know, you sit and wait on the benches while your significant other goes to the bathroom. And in those 30 seconds, I mean, I could have rocked a deep sleep for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, my friend, what do you say? Shall we uh, get this thing started? Let's load it up. I went to McDonald's and ate a kid's meal. His mom was pretty mad. I'm Christian, that's Chris, <laughs> and welcome to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We're happy to have you along for the ride this week. Um, as always, we like to uh, say a few thank yous before we get started. Michael Spicer Music, uh, Michael Spicer Composer for that lovely intro, sound effects, and all that type of stuff. Michelle Murphy, the vet cartoonist for our imaging. Um, our wives and daughters, of course, for being the reason we do this. 
Um, you, the listeners, for hanging out with us each week. Of course, without mm, you guys, we really couldn't be uh, we really couldn't be doing this with any sort of success. Um, and then, last but not least, producer Ryan. And this week, there's a reason that I left producer Ryan to the end because he is currently producing our podcast one handed because he actually broke his elbow this past week. Oh my God! Really? Yes, producer um, Ryan. I'm and sorry, it was in buddy. the most epic and embarrassing way possible. I did get his permission to say this. He broke it while playing baseball, running and tripping over first base. Good lord! And uh, don't worry, he was safe. <laughs> okay, he beat excellent. out the ground ball, so he was excellent. safe. Um, but yes, he then uh, tripped and fell. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, actually broke his elbow. So he is currently uh, awaiting a surgery consult slash casting consult, um, but is still toughing it out and producing the podcast with Jesus. one arm and doing a fantastic job. So, Ryan. So let's just be clear um, about this. He's producing our podcast. He's hosting his own podcast. Uh, he's Dole Whips and Double dad. Doubles, uh, two <laughs> Canadian Dole couples, both named Ryan and Lauren, who talk about Disney World in all of its wonderful, uh, wonderful ways. That's Dole Whip and Double Doubles. Check it out wherever you Check get your podcast. <laughs> well done. So he's doing Dole Whips and Double Doubles. Once again, Dole Whips and Double Doubles. He's producing our podcast. <clears throat> he's a brand new dad. He's broken his elbow and he's getting his getting it fixed. And he was safe. Oh, he's just getting it all done. Most importantly, he was safe. <laughs> yeah. I cannot stress that enough. And Ryan, if you managed to find if there was any footage of the incident, uh, we would definitely <laughs> like to have that um, for obvious comedic purposes. But um no, he's uh, rocking it as always in all facets of life, um, but doing it with one arm. I was gonna say tied behind his back. I guess it's tied in front <laughs> of his chest. In yeah, a that sling. is not. That is, uh, you know, I, I am not a, a physician or an orthopedic surgeon. By no means do I claim to have orthopedic expertise. But I don't think that you're supposed to tie the broken elbow behind the back. At least, you know, not not one that I've seen in textbooks recently. Uh, Ryan, please double check that for us because uh, we care about you. Um, but uh, but I digress. Um, Chris, I had my wedding anniversary this past week. Oh, um, congratulations. Yes, of thank course. you very much. Yeah. Yes, four years, which is um, crazy to think that that much time has passed yeah. already. Wow. Um, it feels like it was honestly yesterday that I was standing beside you at your wedding. Four years. Unbelievable. Four years. Now, it, you mentioned that, and I feel the same way, but I also feel like the pandemic basically just, like, robbed us real quick of two years. Do you know mm, what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel just, yeah. like, because we did nothing we in our brains, there's just no time that's passed almost. Yes. So it, it feels like, because uh, your wedding anniversary is coming up uh, later that this month. That is also true. And I this mean, will not be, surprising. No, yeah, it's not like surprising. You be we both, surprised we by both that. went with we both went with summer weddings, you know. Yeah. So it it uh, yeah, you know, it's a, a good time of year. And so this will be number two, yes. Number two, yeah, hard to believe. Oh, Again, sorry, that makes like it sound said. like a poopy anniversary. <laughs> I didn't mean like yeah, this is number two, right? Uh, yeah, I guess it, it goes up from there because if number one is the pee and number two is the poo, 
I mean, number three and four, I mean, we hope we come up on the other side on that one. No, it's been it's been an absolutely incredible two years. We were fortunate enough that even though a year and a half of those two years has been occupied by the pandemic, the half year before that was largely spent traveling. I mean, pretty much uh, a couple of weeks after our, our wedding, we just packed up and went around the world in uh, in about four months. So that those memories have stayed with us and kind of kept us going through the pandemic. Um, but undoubtedly, unquestionably, we are really looking forward to it being over, as as aren't we all. So we're um, we're actually finally going to be doing a little bit more of that traveling for our anniversary, actually. We're going to be just going away for the weekend, but it'll be our very first weekend away from parenthood responsibilities. It'll be our oh. first weekend kind of... Um, you know, out of the house and actually doing a bit of traveling. We're going close to you, actually, my friend. We're going to Niagara <clears throat> for uh, for just a few days. And you know what? It's it's a small trip that pre-baby and pre-marriage would have felt like just a normal weekend away, like any other weekend, like you might do 10 times a year. But this makes it feel like a giant vacation that we've been saving up for for five years. You know, it honestly feels like we're about to go to Italy for two weeks or something, just just getting away out of the house and having a babysitter for the first time. So it's a really exciting thing. And it, it kind of got me thinking a little bit about how anniversaries change over the course of a relationship and how you celebrate them and what they mean to you and, and how they, um, you know, the, the meaning that they have in their life. So Christian, I'm going to ask you this question just kind of right from the get-go. Um, if you had to think um, about your life pre-marriage, now, you know, I'll, just for the listeners here, you and I were both with our significant others for quite a long time before we got married. So even though you've only been married for four years, you've been with your wife for, um, as, as girlfriend and boyfriend for coming on 10 years now, right? I got to think. And for me as well, also coming on close to, close to 10 years, nine, nine years and change. Chris, so you realize together. we've we've been with each other longer than we've been yeah, with our wives. You true. realize that, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, Christian, I'll celebrate my uh, anniversary with you every day if I can. Um, and we certainly did when we lived together. We've actually, did we, have we lived together as long as we've lived with our wives? No, that's not quite true. But we did live with each other for, you know, about as much time as we've lived with our wives. Um, we, we might have lived with each other longer than we've been homeowners. Yeah, absolutely. So that might absolutely. be true. That checks out 100%. So, um, well, other than celebrating our own anniversary, uh, Christian, my question kind of relates to celebrating the anniversary with your wife. So how did celebrating anniversaries change before you were married compared to now, post-marriage? Do you do up your anniversaries different? Do they mean anything different to you? You know, how did they? how did you celebrate your anniversary you know, of your first date, or did you at all? And how do you celebrate your anniversaries now? So we got married in Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, as you recall, um, at a winery, which was fantastic. So when we got married, our plan was that we were going to try and celebrate our anniversaries and kind of return to the scene of the crime, as it were. So we did that the first year, our first anniversary. A lot of yes, yes, that was on purpose. Um, we um, we had the weekend away, pretty much booked actually at the time of our wedding, um, just because it's summer, Niagara wedding season. We wanted to make sure we had the place booked. Anyway, so we went away for the weekend, uh, which was the 
uh, civic holiday long weekend that year. That's where it fell. Um, and we went away for the long weekend for four days, you know, toured wine country, um, you know, went to wineries, biked along the trail, you know, those types of things. So we really kind of did it up for the first wedding anniversary. Um, but then our by our, the time of our second wedding anniversary, we had a small child. So um, that time we still went back, but we went just for the day. So we had grandma right. stay with right. the little one. Um, we uh, went away for just the day. So we did a few wineries, you know, got a few couple of wines, stopped for lunch, kind of like a, we left kind of after morning feeding time and we were home by dinner. Um, I vividly remember my wife um, pumping uh, breast milk uh, around noon hour in the car um, because she <laughs> had to. And so that we could go in and do more wine tasting because she was just like, yeah, I, I, I got to take a break. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I don't get it, but I understand why. Um, so I vividly remember that. Um, and then by the time we got to our third and fourth, our fourth that actually just happened this past week, um, those both happened in the pandemic. So they were very low key, um, maybe slightly more functional anniversary guys I guess if I can call it that you know there's still the yeah. acknowledgement there's still like the maybe the nice dinner but it's a little more and I think we mentioned this in previous um episodes of maybe Mother's Day Father's Day type things it's kind of the like the gift is like hey I'll take care of the kid while you go do this yeah you know yeah, yeah. kind of a little more functional um in that way so um we transitioned more from a uh when before we got married for a, that's where we kind of celebrated our date anniversary. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, your anniversary of how long you've been together, which we typically just say is like your first date, right? Um, and so we transitioned from that to then obviously our actual wedding anniversary. Now we still celebrate our date anniversary. Um, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, you know, that's when I said what changed pre-marriage to post-marriage. Well, one of the one of the big and obvious ones is that the main date changes, right? Yeah. The kind of biggest anniversary of the year changes um, from when your first date was, which is what you always celebrate, to then your marriage uh, anniversary. But of course, that still leaves that date anniversary. Um, so, do you still celebrate it? We do, um, and I, again, still kind of low key. But as um, we mentioned, uh, Chris, obviously. Obviously, we both started dating our significant others in veterinary school. So obviously, at that time, uh, depending on the time of the year, we're obviously very busy with studying exams, clinics, whatever. Um, so it became kind of a tradition over the, the years of vet school that we just started eating craft dinner hmm. on our anniversary like because that. it was like, you know, you're studying, you're working like it's kind of the like, haha student meal like kind of scenario. So now we've just continued that. So now we still <laughs> just have craft dinner on that particular day. Um, <laughs> and so, so we'd still do that for our kind of date anniversary. It's also kind of funny because uh, my wife and I, we didn't really have a like date where we like asked each other out, like on a date, like we kind of just like started hanging out. Cause we, well, I mean, Chris, you were in my lab group. So was, my wife, right? We were in the same lab. Group. I still remember that. Yeah, I still so remember those. We just kind of conversations. We just yeah. kind of started hanging out because we had, you know, and then all of a sudden we were kind of like, oh, I guess we're dating. 
Like it was kind of one of those kind of things. So we actually kind of quasi had to go back and make up a day as to like what our like first back date calculate, was. Calculate, yeah, yeah. We had to like, yeah, we had to basically do, yeah, do the backdating of it and pro and prorate it, you know, and be like, well, I guess yeah. that means we've been dating for this long. Um, so, but and you the had funny to part, define it. Be like, well, we watched that movie. I guess was did, does that count? Does that count? Date? Yeah, does that count? Uh, and so. Um, but the really funny part is, is that because we just, we didn't pick a random day, uh, but we, I mean, we kind of did, um, so that my wife can never remember it. And it's so <laughs> funny because in our marriage, I'm the one that forgets everything, but that's the one I can hang my hat on. Because um, then if there's <laughs> ever something that happened and I'll just be like, well, then what's our first date? And she's like, uh, is it the 17th or the 14th <laughs> or the 12th? She can never remember, uh, which just makes me, uh, you know, smile on the inside because she remembers literally everything else. But I got that one. So it's, it's a good way to score to score an easy point in an argument. Is that one? Just yeah, but I score an easy point, but then I still lose 19 to one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, not a shout out, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. We um, our our third date, my wife and I. It's funny that you mentioned exams and being in veterinary school. Our third date was actually an anatomy study date um, after school. I bet it was. Lab. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. So we, uh, you know, we. There's a wet lab days. joke there, but I feel like it's implied. <laughs> We, uh, you know, we still celebrate by, uh, you know, getting a fresh cadaver and, and uh, dissecting it together on our anniversary. <laughs> no, we just eat dead fish uh, sushi. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we still celebrate the, the day-diversary. But another thing that changes, like you say, is also that kind of responsibility and always having your hands full. This is our first anniversary with a child. And so just like we've talked about with past birthdays and holidays, one of the defining features is that you still do not get the day off. You know, you're still occupied. But I would say one of the things that that I've just kind of has snuck up on me and has changed in the way that I see our anniversary a little bit. I noticed it last year. I'm noticing it again as I think about it and plan for it this year. I remember those those dataversaries. You know, my wife and I had like seven of those before we got married. Um, they're they're kind of romantic. They're focused on romance, I would say. Um you know, on, on your attraction to the other person and that you want to have a cute and fun and exciting day and have a, a great first date and stuff like that. Whereas now the feeling that I get when I, when I think about the anniversary, of course, it's still romance and wanting to have a fun day and, and how much, you know, the other person excites you every day, but it's still, still fundamentally the overwhelming feeling that I feel now, which I think I didn't during our date anniversaries, is one of true true attachment to this other person, you know, that this other person in my life is like so critically important and is such a fundamental, important part of my life, like truly, you know, my other half, the, the, the caregiver of our, of my child, you know, such a, a critically important person whom I genuinely love. And it has that kind of extra weight to it that it almost feels like, you know, movie tickets and wine, isn't really cutting the message, you know, the message that you're trying to hmm. convey is something much bigger than that. Um, and so sometimes I find that that is a bit of a challenge because, you know, your anniversary when you're dating is like, yeah, you know, you go and go out, have a fun date and, you know, wine and all kinds of fun stuff. Whereas now it's, I'm trying to convey a message, you know, I'm trying to convey importance. And I've always felt, uh, you know, that that tradition, you've probably heard this is the paper anniversary and the wood anniversary and so on. You yeah. know, I, I, I find it 
it, it's hard to, to kind of cut it, but it is, it does add just a, a little bit of interesting thing that you can do. So I was going to ask Christian, is that something that you follow? Do you and your wife do the, um, the wood anniversary and the gold anniversary and so on? Uh, yeah, we do follow the, uh, uh, traditional kind of wedding year timeline. Um, although we haven't made it to wood or gold yet, wood will be next year for us. Wood is five years. Um, but yes, yeah, so we've done, uh, those up, up until so far. It's just kind of a neat little, like you mentioned, it's only part of it. Um, but it's kind of a neat little added aspect to it that it's kind of fun to, yeah to add add a part of the gift because then it also does um like you mentioned conveying a message it does also kind of then just it pays not pays homage that makes it sound like it's like an in memoriam that's what i'm trying to imply but it does add a little bit of relevance to the number of years um which i still yes. think is important um you know it's not it should never be like a, oh well once you get above whatever it's kind of just you know all right same old anniversary so i, th I think there's still something is important to say hey you know we've uh you know, we've been through we've been through thick and thin for this long, um, which is kind of neat, um, you know, to to add that little kind of twist to it. But then you can, you know, always do other things as well. If, you know, like you mentioned, just to focus on, well, from our standpoint, our wives who are the mothers of our of our children. And you want to, you know, make sure that that is a focus as well, because even though it's not Mother's Day, um, which I realize is only one day of the year and we should be celebrating our mothers all the time, but it's, um, it also, there's, there could be that aspect to a gift or thought or message as well. Um, but to answer a very short question in a very long way, um, yes, we do follow the, the traditional calendar. So for us this year we did, um, it was kind of like fruits and legumes and vegetables and things like that, which is year four. Um, so my wife is obsessed with plants um, so as part of my gift, I basically gave her the free reign to go to the nursery and buy whatever she wanted. So nice. she was, a, I really she, was like a kid, she was a kid in the candy store. Um, and I just That's told her, really... don't, I told her, don't show me the bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good gift, Christian. I like that. It's very creative as well. Yeah. We also follow it. I would say it's sort of the thing where one, one of the pieces of the gift is always kind of themed in that way. Yes. And, and it's not, um, like you say, it's not it's not this thing of critical importance or anything. It's just kind of, it's a fun little element that kind of ties some things together. You know, it's like um, almost adds a little bit of mystery to it um, because it's such a general thing, you know, for the second anniversary, the traditional one is cotton or the modern one is China. And so of course, cotton, that could be like any piece of clothing, you know, I mean, it wore like a beautiful blanket or something. It really opens the doors there. Um, <clears throat> but some of them are really interesting. Like in the United Kingdom, the traditional sixth anniversary gift is candy, for example. Um, you've got some standard ones. T the modern 10th anniversary one is diamond jewelry, but that replaced the traditional one, which in the United Kingdom is tin. It's a unique one, tin. Um, of course, traditional for the 14th anniversary was elephant. Yeah, I think that one had to be replaced um, and was replaced naturally with a good one, gold jewelry. But I think my favorite one, Christian, and one that you'd appreciate is the 24th anniversary for which the modern is musical instruments. Ooh. What a unique one, eh? Musical instruments. So think about it. I nice would have figured 24 was a like a slam dunk for gold. Yeah, you would think, right? You would think you 24 would think. karat gold, um, yeah, I would have yeah. figured, but... Uh... Yeah. But yeah, I'm Who definitely knew? looking forward to 24 um, <laughs> because then that way, yes, I can add to my collection. But. Go unique with it. Bassoon, accordion, mm. you know. Really Sousaphone. 
<laughs> What's that one? Oh, this is going to bug me for the rest of this episode. The one that's controlled by the electrical charges on either pole and you like wave your hands through it. The theremin? Theramite? Theremin. Something Ther- like this. Th- uh, th- it, it's like I, theremin sounded right. Yeah. Actually, what I just want is a bunch of glasses filled with different levels of water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? That was actually an instrument. It's going to bug me now. But that there's an instrument where like picture picture the the rim of a glass turned on its side. So it's like a hockey puck rolling away from you. And so the entire thing rolls through a little trough of water at the bottom and you sit and you play it like a piano. So there's like 20 of them stacked in a row and you just like put your hands on these little wet This does not exist. Glass. It exists. I'm for real. Yeah. I think it, it was played by Beethoven or something like that. Here, producer Ryan, if there's an awkward pause here, just just cut it out for a moment. I'm going to look up this whacked out instrument. Um, Buying it. <laughs> what are you Googling? I want to know just like. <laughs> glass rims instrument play like a piano. And it got it. First try. It's called the glass harmonica. Check that out. Glass harmonica. And uh, yeah, we will put one on social media for all of our friends so that they can (laughs) see exactly what this is. It's basically just like these. It's exactly what you're talking about, but like in a in a way where you actually can play it. And I remember hearing this thing about when it came out, it makes such an eerie haunting sound, kind of like a theremin. Um, that it was actually banned for a time because, of course, in the hysteria of when it was being played 18th century, um, you know, they thought it was potentially the work of the devil or could make you go witchcraft. crazy. Or, w- exactly, witchcraft. Um, so glass harmonica, no good. Anyway, maybe, uh, I don't know, is there a glass anniversary? There must be a glass anniversary in there somewhere. Yeah, third anniversary. So next year, I'm getting my wife a glass harmonica. We did, uh, we must, maybe we subscribe to a different calendar, uh, than you because for our third anniversary, we did leather. Leather. Yeah. Leather. So there's like a, I guess there's two different lists. There's like a traditional list and then a modern list. And yeah, you're, you're spot on. Traditional is paper, cotton, leather, and then fruit flowers and then wood. So that's probably the one that you're, that's following. probably and the one the, that we're following. The yeah. modern one, first anniversary is clocks and then China and then glass. Fourth is appliances an odd one eh? and then uh fifth is silverware and then i think there's desk sets in there somewhere i forget where but like seven or eight is desk sets for the modern one yeah i'm not sure how that one worked its way in desk sets it's actually funny you uh we we mentioned this as well because i was actually just talking with one of my fellow colleagues at work to uh today actually literally today the 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 recording of this episode because it is her anniversary so we were talking about this type of thing uh her second anniversary but we started talking about anniversary gifts but then she like very awkwardly asked me what the leather present was that i got my (laughs) wife and it was very hilarious um she's like is that like the third anniversary where you have to like spice things up because you know it's been a while after three years and i was just like no um uh for those who are wondering um i actually got my wife a very nice um i actually found somewhere that engraves your wedding photo onto a piece of leather and then frames it for you so that's what i got my wife for our anniversary so that was my leather gift i like that i like that you didn't go i got my saddle just like she doesn't got myself but just here honey I got myself the assless chaps, but her, <laughs> yeah, naturally. I got, yeah, naturally, but her, I got the nice picture and everything like the that. The assless so. chaps are a gift to yourself. I think, I think that and modern her. list, 
with <laughs> yeah yeah and me i think those uh, that modern set with the clocks and desk sets i think it was clearly just made by like a guy based on like what he wanted every year it's like, oh, it's my seventh anniversary. I I want a desk set, you know? I'm just, yeah, that's right. That's, uh, of course, that's the modern take on the on this notion is uh, desk sets. That's what all the trendy I'm definitely picturing like are. an 18th century guy who's just like a clocksmith who just like needed a new desk because <laughs> yeah. it was seven years old. Like, you know what I mean? He's just like, well, I've got all these clocks from four years ago, but it's been seven years. I need me a desk. <laughs> Like he definitely, you're right. He definitely just made up whatever his shop needed that time. One time it was appliances, then it was glass, yeah. then it was a desk. All of a sudden, there's going to be one that's just like door handles for like the yeah. ninth anniversary. Like it's going to be something so so fucking the 11th, stupid. The eleventh anniversary is just more milk from the store. <laughs> for my ninth anniversary, I need a new goat. <laughs> There's going to be some that's going to, there's going to be like, it's going to be the steak anniversary, but it's like S-T-A-K-E. We're going to be like, oh, a lot, lot of witches that year, apparently. Need, need more steaks. Uh, and humanity is such a great thing that thus it was for the next 500 years, we bought goats and steaks for our significant others. Well, Christian, what do you say as we uh, look forward to our anniversary? Shall we take a, a little break there and come back at it in a moment? Yeah, I'll have to go find a goat for my next anniversary. <laughs> well, you are listening to the Goat Joke Loading Podcast. He's Christian. I'm Chris. And we'll be back in a moment. Hey, Michael Spicer here. I'm a sound designer and a composer. Are you a D&D podcaster? Well, we got swords. Ooh, ouch. Spells. And oh boy, the creatures. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a goblin. Need your voice altered? Just tell me what you want to sound Sound like! like. Robot? Robot? Tiny? Tiny? Demon? Demon? If you need sounds or music for your project, go to Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris. He's Christian. Christian, let's talk a little bit about things that come out of your mouth for the first time. So we're going to start off this little uh, segment here with a, another edition of Walkie Talkie. So this week, Christian, my daughter has uh, started to do something new. Um, as a reminder, she's about eight months old. <clears throat> and uh, for most of her life, the sounds she's made have been largely like, Ah, blah, 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 blah. not any kind of discernible sounds that come out of that. You know, you can, if you squint your ears hard enough, you could pretend that some of them were words, but obviously none of them are any kind of discernible syllables. However, she has started to say a couple of very discernible syllables um, this, this week for the first time. And one is that she'll kind of make eye contact with us and just often around the time that she's eating, maybe she's imitating us chewing, I'm not sure, but very clearly making the sound Ma 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 ma, kind of like that, all in a long row, and also kind of making the sound la 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 like that. And so it got my wife and I thinking, like, what is the first word? And when you hear, 
you know, your daughter or son's first word, how do you know that that's the sound, like that that's their first word? And how do you know that they're referring to something or is it just the first sounds that they make, you know? And that, that was kind of our question. Um, and so of course it got me thinking a little bit, Christian, about, um, your daughter's first words and what constitutes their first words. And so Christian, I'll just start off by asking you, uh, what was your daughter's first word? And do you remember when it happened? Um, her first word was actually data. Um, oh snap yes um it made my wife very angry uh not like actually but you know jealous um because um as obviously when children grow um you know they are very attached to their mothers um and my uh, daughter was breastfeeding and decided to say dada which my wife was just like what the heck? Like, <laughs> I literally feed bullshit. you. Yeah, I, yeah, I literally feed you. Yeah, this is some bullshit. Um, so, um, so no, it was data. Um, we definitely have it. Actually, uh, we managed to catch it on video. Believe it or not. Um, wow. And How? So I just, I mean, you, you're videoing your child like all the time. Um, I should back up and just clarify my child wasn't <laughs> breastfeeding at the time of the first word and I was not videoing that. Particular... I was putting that together. Um, I was sorry. Like, I had to clarify second. that. I'm, I Who meant that my wife was jealous. <laughs> I meant that my, my, my wife was jealous because she breastfed our child and, you know, felt she's like, the, the, the least I can get is a mama as the first word, you know, she's kind of, so sorry. Yeah. I should clarify that. Um, but, uh, um, so I don't remember specifically when it happened or what we were doing, but um, but it was definitely Dada. But prior to that, she did make some kind of um, not incoherent noises, but undiscernible kind of just generic um, noises. My daughter actually subscribed to more of the traditional baby kind of goo goo. Um, <laughs> so she liked to make those kind of noises um, before. But I feel like it's kind of when they're finding their voice, you know, they're kind of just whatever comes out of their mouth. You know, that's just kind of their kind of it's like a dog finding its bark for the first time. It's like, oh, that's what I sound like. And then they yeah, just start yeah, making yeah. these sounds. Um, and then those just kind of develop. I think what we decided as kind of like the first word was just something that like my wife and I could both discern as a word. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like once yeah. we decided that we were basically like, no, that was a word, um, you know, as opposed to just a string of sounds per se with not not necessarily no intention, but do you know what I mean? Like actually had yeah, yeah. a specific kind of start and end to it. And do you think at that time, like, do you think that she was putting the sort of, I don't know what the linguistics term would be, but like object <clears throat> association together? Like, do you think that when she's saying Dada, that like you, that guy there, this, this, my, my, this guy that takes care of me, who's not my mom, the other one, um, do you think she's being like, that's Dada and kind of putting that together? Um, I don't necessarily know that I appreciated that. Um, but yeah, I don't really know that I appreciated that. Um, I think it was probably just the syllables that she happened to be able to form first, yeah. uh, that I just got, uh, I don't know, lucky on the coin flip there that it started to be a, a dada instead of a mama. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, no. I don't necessarily have a specific answer to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I guess it's hard to know, right? It's hard to it's hard to ask what her mental status is at the time. If you could do that, it wouldn't be her first. What ever is word. your neurolinguistic <laughs> pathway that led you to that particular choice and enunciation? Imagine. So her first word is dada, and she quickly follows that with well, father. 
that word came to me by the data quickly followed by the pathway. dissertation of yeah, <laughs> yeah by the thesis so um let me ask you you know once i've heard once that first word comes i've heard from there it's like a waterfall of words just like one after another after another sometimes multiple new ones per week um do you do you kind of remember what the first series of words were and and kind of when that when that happened around what time that happened um I feel like it almost came in spurts. Like, I feel like there's, um, you know, whether they were associated with a growth spurt or not, I don't know. But um, they definitely, um, I feel like, and, I, and I, I'm sure there is some very um, specific kind of early childhood, um, you know, developmental uh, leaps that happen, you know, in their, uh, in their neural pathways. But I feel like there, there was some time where, like you said, there was a new word followed by a couple of new words. And then maybe we'd settle on those for a bit. And then all of a sudden there'd be a few new words and you know what I mean? And that type of thing. And, it, and it's kept going. And my daughter now is over two. And even in the time I mentioned in a previous episode, we just finished our home renovation. Um, even in the time, those few months that those guys were there, they commented even they're just like, she talks so much more now, even in just that short period of time. Um, so I feel like there, wow. it would, it would come and go in these waves of, um, you know, uh, uh, a couple of new words would come and then maybe we'd say stagnant. I say stagnant, you know, for like a week or so or two weeks or whatever, you know, and then a few more. And it started with where you'd be like, oh, she knows seven words now. And then you, quickly you realize that you just can't keep track anymore. Um, <laughs> right. My my mother-in-law, we're very lucky. She looks after her a lot of the time. So we would actually literally keep track on a little calendar of all the new words that she would come up with. We quickly, oh, wow. abandon, we quickly abandoned it because then it just got out of control, um, right. you know, and that type of thing. I feel like there's also a lot of at least from my standpoint, my experience, whatever they're being exposed to as well. So if they have like audiobooks or stories or like words that that happens, I feel like she learned those a lot quicker, um, you know, just being constantly exposed to them. So like I said, whether it was music or or different songs like that. So I feel like she learned a lot of animals earlier than she otherwise, mm, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. just because like, I mean, a lot of our like, you know, toys and books and music are based on animals as most kids things are. Sure, um, so she like, like, I think like, you know, cow was like one of her like earlier words just because she heard that a lot. Um, or actually, I think it was moo first because we would look at that and say, what's that? And she would kind of go, <laughs> yeah. Um, So because they can learn those type of words um, a little bit easier that don't have as many hard syllables or consonants in them, consonants, excuse me, because those are the ones I feel like that take a little bit longer to enunciate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of things that kind of come out of your mouth for the first time, um, another thing that we're dealing with uh, this week, it kind of a kind of a new thing, is that our daughter has really started to teeth hard. You know, mm. like she's always done a lot of things that we thought were probably teething before. You know, chewing, wanting wanting her soother and stuff like that. But this week, man, she'll go through these moments where she's just kind of like cooing to herself. And for 20, 30 minutes, she's just like busting down hard on whatever she can chew on um, and including our fingers sometimes and like drooling. And then, you know, then kind of the, and you can feel the little buds of teeth just kind of, kind of cracking through the gum line. And I feel so terrible for her, you know, um, how, how sore that stuff can be, but you know, it passes 20, 30 minutes later, that little wave of teething passes and she's fine again. Um, so it got me thinking about teeth. Because you know what, I um, I also found out that I have to have my wisdom teeth out pretty soon, um, which is a bit of a bummer. I mean, I'm I'm over 30 years old, Christian. I thought I was over this stuff. 
So um, I just got thinking about teeth, man. And I just want to talk about teeth. Let's bite into it. (laughs) You've been waiting for that for like six days ever since I was like, oh, you know, I think uh, thinking about this teeth thing. I almost when you brought up that we were going to talk about it, I almost said it right then. Well, good, good for you. That that is true. Uh, another another layer of what makes a good dad joke, and that has been dad that. joke of the week. <laughs> a little bonus segment for you there, listeners. Um, so yeah, uh, let me ask you this question first, Christian. Do you have your wisdom teeth? I do not. Um, I actually had mine removed as a teenager. I was in high school when I had mine removed, but cool. specifically, I had mine removed as part of kind of the treatment plan of my braces. Ah, so, so you had braces as well. That was going to yes. be another question of mine. Okay. Oh, well, I'll answer that later. But they were removed as part of the, um, we have to shift a lot of your teeth. Um, and so in order to do that, we need to make some room. And so to make some room, uh, we're going to remove your wisdom teeth. So right. okay. that was part of that. That makes sense. But, what I learned, and I mean, if we have any dentists or orthodontists or um, oral surgeons or anybody listening to us right now um, and want to tell us otherwise, that would be great. Um, but from what my dentist was telling me and from a little bit of reading that I've done, like, you know, my wisdom teeth aren't bothering me that much right now. They're coming in fairly straight. Um, but he was basically like, there's essentially nobody that we wouldn't recommend getting your wisdom teeth out. Like there's lots of people who might say no, and they'd end up ultimately being fine, but you're rolling the dice and just the rate of abscessation impaction is so high. Um, I guess the rate of crowding is so high that they're like, essentially in this day and age, there's no reason to keep your wisdom teeth, um, which I thought was kind of mind blowing, you know, like that it's not like your appendix where, you know, it is a bit, it is vestigial. And so in some people it can create a problem, but we don't take it out prophylactically, you know, from their perspective, you would typically take wisdom teeth out and some extent prophylactically, you know, like that you're just, um, you're assuming that they're going to be more trouble than they're worth in the long run, um, which I thought was kind of fascinating. So Christian, when you got your wisdom teeth out, um, first off, how out were you for it? What what kind of anesthesia should I psych myself up for here? Um, uh, honestly, I remember breathing in cold air and I woke up in the car. Wow, so, really? Um, so I'm, I, was, I was clean. Well, whatever they gave me, I, I, I must have been clean out. Uh, whatever, you know, whether it was, a, um, you know, what, a nitrous oxide or whatever the... You is know, that the, what it is? Because, like, I, I, I honestly don't know what the answer is. Like, um, nitrous oxide is laughing gas? Is that yes, right? Yes, laughing gas, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, okay. I, I mean, it's, it's, I certainly was not under anesthesia. You know, I did not have, uh, you know, anything like that. But, uh, and... As far as I'm aware, I mean, I'm putting a lot of faith in my orthodontist, uh, I guess. But I mean, as far as I'm aware, I wasn't injected with anything, at least not while I was uh, awake. But uh, no, I just remember the little kind of tube over the nose and breathing in the cold air. And they said, yeah, you might get a little bit sleepy. And I honestly woke up in the car. Um, that's the wow. next thing I wow. remembered. So, um, And how did you feel for the rest of the day? Uh, I mean, it was pretty groggy. Uh, you definitely feel like you're, uh, you know, you're kind of drunk. But uh, nothing that was like terribly incoherent um by any means but one of those where um you know you you take it easy you know you um you know stay with the liquids and you know that type of thing don't try to push yourself too hard but i mean i've uh, from what i recall i mean i was kind of like back at it the next day you know normal kind of things not eating wise i took a you know few days to get back with that just obviously with the mouth uh you know surgery essentially but in terms of the kind of 
anesthetic or sedation portion of it. Um, I only really remembered uh, the the effects for maybe a day or so, but that's wow. me. That's me. I'm one person and I'm an N equals one. So. Yeah. Well, it's pretty amazing that they've got these things down to such a, such a science, you know, I mean, my wife, um, got all four of hers out and it was just like this incredible two hour day procedure. And when you think about the extent of oral surgery, that's really occurring, you know, and the anesthesia that you're getting at the same time. I mean, that's a pretty, it's a, you would consider that in any other place in your body, a fairly intensive operation, you know, fairly intensive surgical procedure. So it's pretty amazing how, um, you know, how, how much they have it down to a, to a kind of rapid, efficient, um, no mistake type of science. So Christian, tell me a little bit about your braces. Uh, then is that something that you, um, had for a long time? Yeah, I had my braces for almost four years, actually, uh, three and wow, three and a half years ish overall. Um, my big problem was the spacing of my teeth. So once mm. you got to the kind of front part of my mouth, my kind of, um, are they still called central incisors in adults? Whatever. You're too big. Know. You're too big chiclets yeah. in the front. Incisors. Sure. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're the middle incisors. So yeah, yeah, I guess sure. that makes sense. Right. Um, it, those ones were kind of angled almost in like a, uh, angled outwards a little bit just because they didn't have enough room to like spread out. Um, so then again, I had to obviously then to get them straight again, we kind of had to move all the teeth kind of section by section all the way back. So I wore spacers for a bit. I had the wires, you know, on the braces for a bit. Um, I was not a cool kid. Uh, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, not that I ever was, but uh, those those didn't help. Um, avoided the headgear, yeah. thank goodness. But uh, but uh, yeah, there, it was a slow process because I had to we had to move the teeth little by little um, right, right, in right. order to make it happen, kind of thing. So I'm assuming then, Christian, and you, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, um, but that you think that getting braces was a good decision, then probably something that that you look back on with good memories. I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's considering it. I mean, obviously, if your teeth need it, you should definitely do it. Um, I don't think that my social status as a kind of 12 plus year old really had any <laughs> major outcome on how I turned out uh, as an adult. Um, but uh, no, I think my... Yeah. My, and yet my, when my, you're 12, it seems like the biggest thing in the world, doesn't it? It is the be all and end all for sure. Yeah, you think your life is over. Although interestingly enough, and I mean, this is a complete topic for another day, but um, so my brother and I both had braces, but we were also both uh, players of brass instruments as, mm, as yeah. uh, teen, actually preteens all the way up through till through college. And so you basically, I mean, you have to recreate your entire embouchure to play your instrument appropriately because you can't obviously just, you know, jam the mouthpiece against your braces and hope it's going to work out because that's it doesn't. so fascinating so we uh yeah. we both actually had to uh recreate our arms and my brother uh being a professional trombone player um had to do it twice right because then he had to do it when he got his braces removed he kind of had to relearn it all over again so it's almost wow. like the you know i don't know player that blows their ACL, they got to rehab it and figure out how to do it again you yeah, know what i mean or, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. the uh, comparison is but just with a whole lot of like not cool smiles in the middle. There's definitely actually, it's really funny. If you go through my kind of school photos, you can tell when I got braces because I stopped smiling with my teeth. Mm, yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden I start smiling with my teeth <laughs> again. And my, my mom always like 
teases me and is like, Before oh, yep, you can see your teeth in that photo or whatever. So <laughs> You'd be great for the, the TV commercial, though. You know, the pre and the post yeah. <laughs> smile. That would right. be great. So, you know, Christian, like, I mean, over here uh, at, at my house, we got my daughter's got teeth coming in. My wife just had her teeth coming out. I'm about to get some teeth coming out. We got teeth just falling all in and out all over the place. So let me ask you, um, your daughter just turned two years old, I believe. Where are, where are her teeth at right now? Like when did the your first ones come in and has she just got like a full shark's, shark's mouth going on right now? Yeah, it's shark week over here. Um, <laughs> so as of right now, she has most of her, in, no, she has all of her incisors on the top and bottom. And I should say, you know, baby teeth, of course, we're still talking here. Um, and she actually has two molars on the bottom on each side and she's working on her top molars on that side and actually believe it or not um in a previous episode i mentioned we were uh heading to disney world and while we were there i'm pretty sure that one of her molars on the bottom was like coming in during that trip because as we were brushing her teeth we were like wait a minute What's that poking through <laughs> over there? Who's um, this little friend here? And she didn't make a peep about it, so which was great. So um, our actually, her teeth actually came in, I think, earlier than we expected. I don't really know what we were expecting, but um, we have a really close friend of ours here um, that has five children. And anyway, long story short, her daughters that are very close in age um didn't get teeth for like the longest time so mm. maybe we're just like comparing it to that right. um so but she started you know with her it's, it's so hard when you don't have any like you don't have anybody to compare to you know when it's your first sure. kid and you don't know like what normal is your your first reaction is to like look outside and be like well what do they have you know well and it's also like i think we've talked about before just with all of like the books that you read and all of this and it's like oh yeah normally it happens between you know x and y but then you realize that there's like such a wide range that the like normal percentile is like 10 to 90 right you know yeah. what i mean so it's like <laughs> yeah. there you could fall anywhere on that spectrum and so basically you know dentists are like yeah anywhere between four months and two years you're probably fine and you're yeah. just like oh okay but what if it was six and a half months and they were like four months to it you're still yeah. fine still like fine. it's like one of those so um we had i know you were mentioning um, when you started off the, um, you know, kind of the cooing and the, you know, and, and the things that you noticed there, we found with, with our daughter that she definitely had like, we called it the witching hour, mm. um, that she had when she was teething and it was kind of in the dinner ish hour, maybe six to 7 PM where you could tell that she was like just miserable. Um, yeah. and thankfully they were relatively short lived, you know, there wasn't a ton of like screaming and uncontrollable crying or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you could definitely tell that she was uncomfortable. Thankfully, knock on wood, um, it did not seem to really interrupt her sleep too, too much, um, which was good. Um, but yeah, she definitely had her kind of witching hours where we could tell that she was uncomfortable um but chris i have a question for you i'll throw it back to you mm. we didn't really use any or we didn't have to use maybe we're lucky or didn't really find that our daughter responded to any of the like teething toys i mm. guess like you see mm. that there's those different uh um you know thicknesses and maybe 
was gonna say strengths that makes it sound like i'm challenging their density but uh you know <laughs> textures and things like that that you use for teething yeah, yeah, or yeah. or teething rags or teething rings and all that type of stuff we didn't really use any of that mm. um you know we we definitely you know uh, we helped out obviously where we could, but we didn't find that our daughter responded to that very much. Um, mm. I'm curious, what's your experience with that type of stuff? Yeah, let me, I feel like, so some of this is, I don't know exactly what's specifically designed for teething versus things that are just supposed to be like sucked on or chewed on. Like soothing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do have a bunch of kind of semi-different things that she likes to varying degrees. Let me start off by saying the the number one teething toy, the thing that she loves the most when she's teething and she's uncomfortable is my finger. Like, <laughs> not, honestly, everything else she'll chew on and she'll be like upset with and it just won't be quite right. But if my finger goes in there, she's like, oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. Like, just just like push down on the teeth and everything, you know, that that to her is the best kind of teething toy. Um, don't give me that look. <laughs> Listeners, there is this the man, the man across the airwaves for me has the biggest shit eating grin on his face right now. It's a child. <laughs> so the other teething toys that we use are um the the other thing that she's big on is like you've probably seen the necklaces that that are kind of like mm, a bunch yeah. of beads basically of yep. different sizes um that she can really get behind and i think a big part of it is the different like sizes you know that she can have right. like kind of littler ones or bigger ones then there's some other stuff that she just kind of holds and and kind of like mouths on or sucks on a little bit, which are like the little mushroom, this little pink mushroom with a little knob on the top and this little strawberry. I don't know if these are teething toys so much as they are soothing toys. Right. So, so I would say really the necklace is probably the only one. One that we've tried with a bit of limited success is like they're these little ice rings, basically. Mm, they're like yeah. those kind of refillable ice cubes you put in the freezer. Man, they are not that easy to work with because they are cold as shit. So like she doesn't like holding them because they're an ice cube, right? And right. then they get warm really quickly and she's like not touching them or holding them to their her teeth for any length of time. So it just kind of feels like she's got something cool in her mouth. So, you know, if I if this were a product rating show for me, that would probably be a don't buy. But I can definitely get behind that necklace one. It's really easy to work with. It's like easy to pick up and handle. You can, you know, your your wife can wear it as well around. So, it, you know, it's pretty handy. But honestly, the big thing is give it some time. In 30 minutes, it'll go away. Um, and just let her chew it out, whether it's on her soother or your finger. It goes away with time. That's my well, feeling on it. I, I feel like a lot of it, too, like you mentioned the ice, because, I've you know, I've heard of that, too. Or some people I've even heard they, like, put a washcloth you know, in the soak it in water and put it in the freezer so that it's mm, kind of like that type yeah, yeah, of thing yeah, or like yeah. that type of thing. But like you said, almost the sensation of the cold is sometimes just as upsetting to them because yeah, it's exactly. like something they yeah. don't really understand. And like for like you and I, like if we like if we're putting ice on something like we want the cold, we know what it is. It's there for a reason yeah. and that type of thing. But they're kind of just like, oh, what is this? And yeah. they're like, just and like as equally like offended by it as they're <laughs> yeah, like, nah, yeah. I'll take the mouth pain. Thanks. And then. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And we're not having to hold the ice cube. It's like, imagine putting it, having to hold an ice cube on your shoulder or like, sorry, an ice pack on your shoulder. But instead of having it wrapped in a towel, you're just like, have your hand on the ice pack on your shoulder. You know, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do uh, maybe we'll video it and put it on social media. We're not actually doing this, but I think it'll be hilarious. We just like take an ice cube and you just have to put it in your mouth and just hold it there. You can't <laughs> yeah. do anything with it. You just have to hold it there 
and we'll just watch the brain freeze ensue. See how uncomfortable it gets. Like, because I'm sure it gets uncomfortable real quick. And like you said, for them, when they're like already fussy because it's uncomfortable, and then you're just like, here, like, take this, like, take Mr. Freeze, like, you know, like, right, and and whatever. And then they're just like, no, I don't like this either. (laughs) So, and that type of thing. But, um, but yeah. We'll call it the ice cube challenge. (laughs) I like it. So, when, um, so speaking of like all these, you know, childhood developments, another big one, of course, that we're not looking forward to is all these teeth that are coming in. They got to come out eventually, you know, they got to come out one way or another. So it got me thinking about two things, Christian. First off, straight up, when your te- teeth got really loose, you know, and you're like fiddling with them and, you know, about to pull them out. Did you ever slam one out of your mouth by like closing a door, throwing a toaster, anything like that? I never, I know, I never did that. At least that I can recall. I feel like I was the type that I would just like, if I, once I felt it, I was like a dog with a bone. And I feel like my tongue yeah. just continued to wiggle it and yes. wiggle it and wiggle it. And like, I feel, you know what I mean? That type of thing. And I feel like they just fell out. Um, so I'm pretty sure that I, um, I, I was more that type of person rather than like, we're going to lose our tooth now. Um, no, I think I just... Uh, worked on mine long enough until they fell out what about you this entire segment is double entendres like just this entire segment is just just really difficult to get through you know for the immature in the audience which if it's anything like us it is all of us we'll just start by we should have just started this whole segment by saying no jokes (laughs) yeah and then just kept going but anyway yeah um, yeah, same, same for me. My, um, my, my wife and her, uh, her father, my father-in-law were telling me a story about, <clears throat> they did that with her when she was little and basically they closed the door and it slammed it and it ripped it right out of her mouth. <laughs> and she just, there was a brief silence before she burst into <laughs> tears, you know? And I thought, yeah, how else would it possibly finish? Like with a little kid, you know, what were we expecting? Shock, like, yeah, pain, giggles like or everything. yeah. What were yeah. we expecting? Like, yeah. even though it's loose, I mean, it's still like, you're still ripping a tooth out of a socket. Like it's yeah, not, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's, it can't be pleasant. Now, now, Chris, out of curiosity, have you ever lost a tooth in any other way? Like Ooh, that's trauma, a good question. injury, anything like no. that? No. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, have I ever lost? No, no, I, I do not believe I've never lost a tooth from any kind of like, um, yeah, I've never had one pop popped out that like an adult tooth that shouldn't have popped out. I think I've lost deciduous teeth. I remember like I had a loose one that I was working on and I lost it in gym class. Like I fell down and it kind of popped out at the same time. Um, but that was intentional, right? Like it was going to come out anyway. Um, so no, I've never lost one. How about you? Uh, I have actually. Um, and I actually, uh, believe it or not, lost the same tooth twice. Really? So, now, Christian, is it, can I guess, is it your, like, what we would call in veterinary medicine, your, um, God, what what would this be? Your 101 tooth? This would be your upper, no, sorry, your 201 tooth, your upper left quadrant first incisor. Is it correct. that tooth? It is yeah. that tooth. When we first met, the very first day we met, you told me that you were in the process of getting work done on that tooth. Is yes. that part of this story? So that's that was that was because of round one. <laughs> so oh, round round one, um, and I think we referenced this in a previous episode. I was at the time still playing very high level baseball, um, and uh, to make a long story short, uh, I uh, basically just got hit in the face with a fastball. 
Like just didn't. <laughs> there didn't should get, be a better story there, but no, you just got just, hit in just, the face with the phone. I just didn't get out of the way in time. Tried to do the like turn my head to like get out of the way. No, but just hit me square in the face. Um, and so the whole tooth didn't come out, but was broken to a point that it needed to be Ooh. replaced. Um, and so I had to get it like ground down, get a like a basically a fake tooth put on. Um, and that type of thing. So that was happening as I was getting into veterinary college. Now, uh, for those who are listening that uh, recall our times in veterinary school, um, one of the big things there at the college was the hockey tournament that was happening. And every year we had a class hockey team. We played in the tournament every year. And so in that tournament, in my second year, of, in our second year, um, our friend, do you remember Rob Berger? Remember? Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, poor Rob Berger. Um, he, uh, tried to lift my stick and miss and high sticked me right in the face Ooh, classic and, hockey move uh, classic hockey move. And my head snapped back and there was blood everywhere, but sure enough, he broke the fake tooth. <laughs> and so I had to get it replaced it's like and there's rob just you know him just like the nicest guy like i'll pay for it oh my gosh i'm so sorry and i was like man it's canada don't worry about it i get that shit fixed for free um not free we pay for it in our taxes it's not free health care so america don't come at me on that one um, but it's essentially designed i mean the reason we have it is for hockey injuries there were just it's, too many of us literally for teeth. just too many of us getting high sticked yep for dentures for <laughs> hockey players and that's really why it happened so anyway so i had to get that one but for a time there was a brief kind of maybe three week period in between when i had to go to the dentist and get the tooth that i just had this little like stump of a central incisor that was the <laughs> remainder of whatever the tooth i had left which was this like terrible like bile yellow um because it was just basically like what was left of the root of my tooth that they were attaching the fake tooth on so there were definitely a few like monday morning exams i walked into just with like no tooth um <laughs> for a few weeks while i was doing that while i was waiting and i remember seeing rob in the hallway and he'd always feel so bad um because he just like you know lift my stick uh and miss so um i had to, so yes i lost i have lost a tooth dramatically but it happened to be the same tooth twice um so wow thankfully i only still have the one fake tooth just the one just the one for now that's just the one for now anyway now i bet you wished in that moment there was a tooth fairy though i mean that's something that i'm definitely looking forward to with our daughters is is doing the tooth fairy and have her be so excited are you doing the tooth fairy with your daughter i mean i i to be honest with you i will say i that's not a specific conversation i've had with my wife (laughs) i can't imagine why we would not but that yeah that was a deal breaker when we were first dating it's like first date will you do the tooth fairy with our children (laughs) What what's your religious affiliation? What what's your political affiliation? What's your tooth fairy affiliation? They Important. call those the big three. Yeah, the big you know, three. I, I remember it, speaking of you uh, getting this tooth fixed, and I was talking about braces and wisdom teeth. You know, I um, I remember reading this great piece of advice, which was uh, a bunch of um, older folks saying what what they wish they could tell their thirty year old self. And since we're in our thirties, I thought. Um, you know, it, it it was very applicable. And one of the most common ones that kept showing up was take care of your teeth because you only get one set. So I think that's a good place to end this segment. We'll be right back after a short break. This is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Um, you can reach out to us at the Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com. He's Christian. I'm Chris. We'll be back in a minute. I don't like being called average, 
That's just mean. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian, that's Chris. Um, and we're going to close out the episode with a segment we actually haven't done in quite a few weeks. Um, but this is a fun one for us, and this is Origin Story. Now, Chris, the story I'm going to bring to the show this week, um, speaking of, uh, we just talked about teeth and things coming out of your mouth, but I'm going to talk specifically about spitting rhymes. Mm. And I'm going to tell the story of the anatomy rap. So, Moving uh, from teeth to grills. Ooh, I like that. That was not rehearsed. Um, So uh, for those people who are not aware, um, and if you aren't aware... I'm not sure if I feel concerned that you haven't been listening. But anyway, uh, Chris and I are both veterinarians, um, and we met in veterinary college. And so as part of the kind of rite of passage to graduation, the graduating class uh, does something at uh, our vet school, which is known as the fourth-year play. And so essentially this is a um, series of videos, skits, and everything put together, uh, musical numbers that's put together as kind of a – uh, I guess it's a semi-roast, right? Because we tease the college yeah, and like yeah, our fellow classmates and professors. And then we um, get professors. roasted back in the that intern resident night, whose name I totally forget now. But basically, we kick roast off? them. Kick off. That's it. Well said. So we we uh, we kind of get to do the roasting in the fourth year play, and it's not all roasting. I mean, we're just having a good time. But you know, we're definitely allowed to to have a little bit of creative free um, creative liberty to to do a bit of. Uh, uh, poking fun if we want for sure so we we, we make a, a series of skits and things kind of like poking fun at the vet student life um, sometimes poking fun at our classmates professors all in good fun all with their permission and all that type of stuff um, but one of the things that we did and so this was Chris and I's um, project was something that's called the anatomy rap. And so it was in reference to our first year anatomy class and kind of all of the mnemonics and uh, study tips and uh, things that we used from our professors to try and remember just all of the anatomy because there were, you know, a bunch of different species and they're all slightly different. And how do you remember them and this, that, and the other thing. But it was also in reference to a show that Chris and I love so much called Community. And so in Community... Um, it makes me just want to turn on the episode, like almost like right now. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it really um, does. Uh, it, uh, Troy and Abed, who are best friends uh, in the show, um, actually, Chris and I model most of our friendship after that, uh, which is hilarious. We do their handshake all the time. Uh, is they do a Spanish rap because their their study group is based on their Spanish class. So they or Spanish class, excuse me. So they um, are sitting in the library at the end of an episode. They start rapping about Spanish. Um, and so we decided to do that similar thing, but with uh, anatomy. And so, um, Chris, I don't know if you remember all of this story, but I mean, so we sat down and wrote it, of course, and we thought about all the different references. But then, and I don't know if you remember this, we actually moved a couch. <laughs> yes, from, I do remember this. So this was at like, oh. what, two in the morning? Yeah, probably? so 
for a bit of context, like there's a kind of, ah, boy, how do we say this? So the, the veterinary school is like this really big complex and it's all attached to each other, you know, because it's, it's like so many university buildings in Canada, long and expansive because it's designed to be traveled from part to part to part in the wintertime without having to go outside too much. And so <clears throat> it's this big cavernous maze of, of rooms, you know, um, and of course, you know, being the veterinary school, kind of an isolated part of the, of the whole university campus at nighttime it's really really quiet and in the fourth year play you know your senior students you're about to be graduating this you know the hospital area is where you do a lot of your rotations so you know you're allowed into the you know we're not talking about surgical areas or anything but you're allowed into the kind of the break room and the study areas and stuff like that after after hours well because, we had you know, security you're... badges as well that we would use <laughs> right. to, to get in like that's how we absolutely. got in right so absolutely yeah. and you know nobody's doing anything crazy here but we were just looking for a quiet place to film this little skit for our uh, fourth year play and i remember christian that we found like the perfect couch but in like this kind of secluded dark like largely unusable room that was a bit too close to the hospital, but the couch wasn't being used. So what I remember is that you and I looked at this couch and kind of lifted it and thought, huh, this is a pretty light couch. I think this is pretty mobile. Um, and then found the perfect quiet room. So what I remember is us trekking this couch, maybe like 200 yards across the complex um, to to kind of set up the perfect little recording studio. Well, and the and the to to provide further context, um, as Chris is mentioning, it is this big cavernous kind of maze. But I mean, in the middle of it, there's still a full functioning ICU that's happening there. And so where we were, where we found this couch was again a little too close to the ICU because we needed the quiet to make the audio work. Uh, but then we also had to obviously. And of course, respect the ICU. Um, and so <laughs> we we moved this couch. And so where we ended up actually settling was in the conference room of the oncology center. Um, yes. And so oncology does not work overnight. So their patients, if they have them, That's are transferred to um, you know internal medicine or to the ICU to be monitored overnight. So the oncologists. Um, you know, barring major emergency, are not really in the building overnight. And if they are, they're going to be in the ICU um, or in the in where they're being hospitalized. So we found their kind of rounds conference room that was there. That was perfect. We had enough setup there because we had to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, because we needed the beat track to be in front of us on the computer with the script um, so we needed that, but then we also needed to be recorded at the same time. So I feel like we had a couple of laptops set up to like set up sound, but then also record us, um, and that type of thing. So we ended up settling in the oncology room. And by this point it was between one and two in the morning, um, yeah. you know, and, and I remember for the beat track. So one of these things, if you've seen the, this episode of community is that the, the beat itself is like beatboxed basically and so one person does the beat while the other person does lyrics and then they swap and you're kind of supposed to swap back and forth in unison and so what we had on the computer was a metronome because i think like as christian says this is maybe like midnight or one in the morning and we're rocking like 10 takes 11 takes you know <laughs> we're we had practiced this a lot and like we felt really good about it and as we got down to it we were just so off and so i forget i think it was 
Christian with all of his excellent musical background, um, loaded up a metronome on the laptop that we had going at the same time so that we could get the beat on. And pretty much as soon as you loaded up that metronome, we were like on point at that point. <laughs> well, and, and the other thing, too, so the, and the reason we have the couch and all this is because obviously in the episode, they're sitting on a couch in the library. So that was kind of where it came from. But then the other problem, too, is then like we laughed a lot. So like we had good <laughs> yeah. takes, but then we couldn't keep a straight face because this was an, a video as well. Like we looked like, you know, we started out just like it looks like we were studying. You know, we had our books open and then we kind of, you know, one of us would start with the beatbox as they do in the episode. And then we would just keep going um, and that time. But then like I definitely remember several takes of just like us just both having like shit eating grins on our faces trying not to laugh. But it's like so obvious on the video that we'd have to start all over again. Um, and, uh, and so we had to do it, you know, uh, like you said, more times than we'd like to admit. Um, and of course it's a very back and forth, uh, rap, which we had planned, but of course, then if it doesn't, you know, there really is no room for error, you know, it has to like, look like you're not trying, but you almost have to try harder to make it look like you're not trying, um, <laughs> yeah. which, um, we probably didn't realize was going to take us as long as it did, um, considering how we were there. And then after all of that, of course. We had to move the couch back. Back. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and literally the middle of the night at that point, exhausted. But you know what, Christian? I have no regrets because I think we nailed that last take. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It was fa it was fantastic. It was one of the it was one of my favorite part. Well, obviously, bias favorite parts of the whole show. Um, but uh, and if I can find it, I'm definitely going to try and put it on our social media um, at Loading Dad on Twitter, Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram. Uh, but um, I'm definitely going to try and find that because I mean, I don't, oof, it's been years since I've watched that. I think. Yeah. I honestly swear to goodness. I don't think that I've seen it since, uh, like I saw it basically when we recorded it cause we played through, then I saw it live at the fourth year play and then that's it. I don't think I've seen it since then. So I would love to rewatch that, that little part of our origin story. And so that's been, well, now six plus years now i guess right since we've yeah, been yeah that's so, right yeah yeah that'll be a nice little uh i almost want to make it an origin story but also a from the vault i feel like it, we could we could probably <laughs> yeah. throw it into many of our recurring segments here but uh <laughs> could be part of our intro music we'll get we'll get michael spicer from michael spicer music to uh remix it for us as, as part of the intro for a future episode so uh yeah this um you know i i think that's a lovely little way to end this show, you know, because that was something that ended our vet school careers. It capped off a great four years. And that is going to cap off another great episode and another great week that we've spent with you, the listeners. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to us, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com, um, at loadingdad on Twitter, or dadjokeloadingpodcast on Instagram. Yeah, I'm getting it, man. I'm getting it. You have no idea how much practice went into that. Um, so he's been Christian. I'm Chris. And we'd love to see you again next week. This is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.